Welcome to Cowboy Junction. We're so glad you're here. If you're our first time guest, we want to get to meet you. If you just make your way to the Connect booth, we want to give you a free gift, get a little bit of information, and shake your hand. We really appreciate you coming today. We know that there's so many amazing churches you can attend, and you chose Cowboy Junction Church. If you want to give today, we have our giving station set up as you exit the sanctuary doors. You can also give online. Remember, let's give God our very best. If you are within 6th grade to 12th grade, then you are eligible, that's right, for CJU. That is our Cowboy Junction Church Youth Group, and it's happening on Wednesday nights, every Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. We have live worship, pizza, games, and we have an amazing Word of God. Remember, CJU, 6th grade to 12th grade. If you fall within the ages of 18 to 25, we have CJ Y'all. What is CJ Y'all? It's young adults. And so if you fall within that age bracket of 18 to 25, every Sunday evening at 6.30, we have CJ Y'all. And we have Y'all, we have, man, we got food, we got fellowship. It's an amazing time. It's a really cool vibe. Hope you can make it. Now, let's get ready for service. Hey, Cowboy Junction, welcome to week two of Free Space. Every morning when you wake up, you are given two limited resources, time and energy. The good news is you get to decide where that time and energy actually gets to go. Here are three tips to creating more free space in your life starting with your day. Tip number one, create healthy boundaries for your devices. Ooh, this one's tough, I know it. But when you can create a healthy boundary and say this is why we're doing this, we want more time together, we want more intentional conversation, you will be amazed at how much time and energy this saves you. Tip number two, limit your to-do list to three basic things that you can get done in that day. What you're going to do is you're going to not only accomplish those things, but you're going to gain clarity and you're going to simplify the main priorities of your week. Tip number three, big rocks first. Prioritize your schedule and your calendar by putting the most important things on the calendar first. A wise man once said, you have to say a hundred no's for every one God yes. That's Pastor Doug. When we say no and prioritize the most important, the MIs in our life, we'll find that things actually fit a lot better and there's space in our schedule. Now, I'm sure you've seen this illustration a hundred times, but let's watch it again with my cute kids. <laughs> Today, they're trying to fit rocks and big rocks and sand into this jar, but we all know they have to put the big rocks in first, then the smaller rocks, and then the sand. When they do it in this order, everything will fit just right and they will have extra free space at the very top. So as you look at your schedule or you look at your calendar, prioritize the MIs first, the most important. What are those for you? This is a great way to make space, free space in your daily life. Back to you, Pastor Ty. <laughs> yes. Really, my sermon is just a byproduct of the video now. Yes. Listen, Abby Haggard is the one that you see up there, and every week she's helping me with this introductory video uh, because she's great at it. And she's gotten great at it over the years because it's been something that she has dove into and found the giftings in it. She has an amazing little business that is just growing and wonderful, and she just helps people organize, find the most importance, and prioritize. 
And it could be anything from your time to your finances to your energy to your resources that you have just in the life that you live. And you can find more information on this incredible podcast and what she does in her little business. And it's just so cool at abbyhaggard.com. And I, um, I, I just think some of you, that's probably a place you need to go right after church is abbyhaggard.com. So welcome, everybody, on our online campus. So glad that you're here. A few changes. We are no longer offering an 8.30 online campus, and there's some reasons behind that. And if you would like to know those reasons, contact Brady Bean at CowboyJunctionChurch.com. Yes, he would love to talk to you. There's some really good ones. We're training, we're equipping people in our 8.30, teaching them how to do stuff, and then using and utilizing the 10.30 service. Trust me, it's really good for the team. And since you're a part of the team, I know you're going to be so glad that we no longer offer online campuses at 8.30 or 6.30 on Monday nights. It's a big leap for us, but it was necessary. At the same time, we want to welcome everybody on our Juvenile Detention Center campus. So glad you're here. Would you guys welcome every young man at the, at, at the Lee County uh, Detention Center? So glad that you're here. Happy New Year. Sorry I forgot to welcome you last week. I was just rusty, and I'm getting back in the rhythm. You're with Jeremiah right now, and you couldn't be with a better guy. And Chris may be there too, but um, welcome, you guys. We're glad that you're here. Today we're in a series called Free Space, and we're discussing this incredible gift that God has given us that allows us to be able to do more as far as quality. We're able to offer more. We're, this free space is a gift from God. And it's something that is there for us to be able to be the people, the best people that we could possibly be for him. Now, if you are somebody that would say, I wasn't taught Free space, I was taught to do more, and you give more, and you do more, and you work harder, and you, you, you came by that honestly. Because no one taught us to live with free space. If you grew up in a family to where it wasn't lazy, we weren't lazy, but we did say no's so that we could give great yeses, you were blessed. You were really, truly blessed. And this is our series that really shows us where the, where the blessings are in life. Last week, we gave, we gave our introductory message to free space, and we looked at all the things that God, all throughout Scripture, all throughout time, that God turns and says, I want you to have free space so that you can trust me to manage your space. Trust is the number one reason why we don't have free space, why we max out our, our, our savings, why we max out our, our life, our days are full, we have no finances left over. And, and we, when we can't trust God, when we live a life of fear, we fear of missing out, and God says, no, 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 no. Free space is where the blessings are. Free space is where the wiggle room is. Free space is where you're going to be able to give the best yeses. And you're going to have to trust God to be able to show us how to live in the free space. So we covered that last week, and last week we kicked off this illustration. A lot of us, if we were to take what our life would look like, it would probably be a lot like this closet. It's just no room for anything else. This is, this is kind of, if we were to put... 
an illustration on what your life looks like, this would probably be it. And one of the things we said last week, and I really want you to lean into this, the free space that we're trying to get people to is like this in the fact that it's okay for your closet to look like this. This isn't a a series on how to keep your life clean and manageable. No, no, no. It's okay if your closet looks like this. It's okay if your car looks like this. Okay? And I've seen some of your cars, and it looks a lot like this. Okay? It's okay if your car looks like this. That's not what this series is about, how to keep your car clean. It's okay if your attic looks like this. But it is not okay if your life looks like this. And it is not okay if your relationships look like this. It is not okay if your time, 24 hours in a day, and you can put 25 hours worth in it, look like this. Okay? And it is not good. It's not good for your relationship with God to look like this. I don't have room for one more thing. I don't have room for a yes. God, I, I can't give you a yes because my day is so busy. I'm so busy, God. God, if you, would, if you would just do this, if you would just do this. And the funny thing is, God didn't do this. We do this to ourselves. So when you first looked at this, it's kind of like I came to church to kind of breathe But did this kind of take your breath away? It just stresses you out. It just works into your shoulders. I'm sure there's a closet knot right here right now. And and let me just show you something else. There's a better way to live, okay? And this better way of live, what's your first reaction when you see this? Yes, yes, that's right. The the little one. They're like, whoa, mom, could we do that? That... (laughs) Is that what it's supposed to look like, Mom? Yeah, this, this just makes you go, oh. Oh, okay, be honest. Who went home and cleaned their closet? Nobody? Okay, well, there was a lot of people who said, oh, yeah, we got a couple over here. Yes, you see, this isn't a closet message. Can you imagine if your life had free space? Can you imagine if your finances If your finances were at a place to where everything that came in didn't immediately go out. And what if you had your finances to a place to where we didn't have to spend everything? What if free space caused us to now get to be a blessing? A blessing. Because we've got some wiggle room in our finances. What if your time looked like this? What if your relationships, what if your relationships weren't full of everyone? Let's just think, we're going to talk about relationships in this series, but are we letting everyone in? And is God saying, listen, we love everyone, but there's room for people that I am specifically introducing into your life for a kingdom purpose. But you've got to have the time and recognize the resources in the relationships. It's okay for your relationships to look like this. And so today, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Because when it comes to free space, okay, we can all kind of get our own idea on what free space means. But last week, we, we, we set into motion the definition 
of what we're talking about when it comes to free space, okay? And here's the definition we've all agreed to. Free space, okay, you ready? It's the mandatory space required to function properly, okay? And this is what we talked about last week, and if you weren't here last week, you may want to go back and listen to it. It's a great introductory message of where we're going, but this is, it kind of makes you go, hmm, because there's some words that are hard to hear. We love free space. We want free space. But we intentionally have said it's the mandatory space, which means this. It's not up for negotiation, okay? And it's not a suggestion to get the free space, the wiggle room that God is wanting in our life. It is the mandatory space required for us to function the way we were supposed to function. And so with this in mind, let me tell you what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk to you about time. Time is one of the greatest gifts you have been given. And time is one of those things that we don't think will ever run out. In fact, if you're someone who just maxes your time out, you have no more wiggle room, you're going 100 miles an hour, you do 25 hours worth of stuff in 24 hours, okay? You can be everywhere, you can go all the time, you're late to most of it, but at least you're there, okay? If you live like this, let me just tell you that there is not anything in that that is God's best when it comes to your time. And we have to be better stewards of our time because time is this thing that we think is going to last forever. And the Bible tells us it doesn't. It doesn't. In fact, I did a little research and just for the funsies, I just began to look at what, what, what great teachers have said about time and different things. I came across a very interesting number. Um, statistically, we can say that generally people live to this amount of age, okay? And, and if you were to put days on that age, some live less, some live more, but statistically, this is a pretty good average of how long people live, okay? How many days is it? If I turned to you and said, how many days are you going to live from the time that you were born to the time that you die? How many days are you going to live? And there is actually a number. I don't know it. You don't know it. The best teachers in the world don't know it. But somewhere we have to be able to grasp the idea of how to number our days. And I'd like to give you the number that I've found because if you were to ask me, Ty, I mean, how many days do you think you're going to live? I, I, my first reaction is, gosh, 100,000? 200,000? Sometimes life just seems like it can last forever. But statistically, we live 27,375 days. I don't know how you feel about that number. That's way less than my first knee-jerk number was. 
27,375 days comes to the amount of days in a 75-year-old life. Now, some live less, some live more. But to get it to the point to where we can put in a practical way a number that makes us all sit back and go, hmm, I don't know how I feel about that number. 27,375 days, but it's not all days that, that we're just living life. Let me show you some things that happen during life. First of all, we have 23, uh, 23 of those are years sleeping, 23 years of sleeping. Okay, you have to do the days on that. 16 years of working in an average life. Eight years of watching the TV. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You Yellowstone watchers. Yeah, you better watch it. You better watch it. Yeah, you'll be at the train station for long. Six. I just the fact you got that joke shows that the 1030 service is a bunch of heathens. You guys, man. Six years of eating. For some of you, seven. Okay. 4.5 in leisure, okay, and two years of dressing. For some of you ladies, four, okay, <laughs> which tells us this. The average person has 59.5 years, not days, 59.5 years of all of these things. So I did something because this is heavy. It's, 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 it's not something that is fun to talk about. We love talking about how, what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, where we're going to go, where we dream of being. We love talking about the endless amounts of days. Everybody in this room, all the young people, you're never going to get old. You're always going to be young. You'll never be a problem. You'll never creak. You never creak. <laughs> anyway, so I did something just, just for me to you. I did the math. And if Ty Bean lives to be 75 years old, this is how many days I have left on this earth. It got me. Ty Bean has 9,490 days statistically left to live. Some of you said good, and I heard you. I don't know how you feel about this. I know for me, I thought it was a lot more, a lot more. But what we're doing isn't morbid, and if anybody ever told you you shouldn't do stuff like this, you shouldn't speak death, this isn't speaking death. This is taking accountability for the days that I have. This is a stewardship lesson on all different aspects, but today we're looking at your time. I turned 50 in March, and that's been really cool because it's given me moments like this to think about how am I going to live the rest of my days. This story of numbering your days can be found in the oldest psalm in the Bible. It was the first psalm, the oldest psalm, and it was written by Moses himself. Today, we're going to go to Psalm chapter 90. So you can turn there real quick. You can turn there. And let me give you the backstory. Moses is an incredible figure. We all know he's a great leader. We can all pick the parts about Moses that we just would go, that, that, that's the big mo. Moses is the man. But there's some unique things about Moses that makes him even more spectacular. Moses 
Moses lived three lifetimes. He had three different lives, lives that he lived. And it came in the form of the Moses story. When Moses was born, there was a great tragedy where all the firstborn Hebrew males would be killed. And Moses fell in that category. It was Moses' mother who, after his birth, wrapped him up and put him in this little reed basket and floated him down the river, released him into God's hands. Moses was found by the Pharaoh's daughter. And through this whole process, Moses' mother was introduced as a, as a as nursemaid. And Moses, for the first 40 years of his life, served in Pharaoh's court as a son. He was raised as a son, treated like a son. Pharaoh treated him in every possible way like his own. He was basically raised an Egyptian. But there was always a pull on him to recognize his Hebrew roots. He never saw a poor day. He ruled over an entire kingdom. He was taught in the best education systems. He was given everything he needed. He was super smart, super athletic. And one day at the end of these 40 years, God had been dealing so much with Moses to not focus on your future as an Egyptian, but you gotta go back and look at your heritage, your life, as the man of God I've called you to be. And it so overwhelmed him that one day he saw a Hebrew slave being beaten by an Egyptian soldier. And something snapped inside of Moses. And he ran down and he beat the Hebrew. or He beat the Egyptian until he killed him. Buried him. And it was there, a couple things happened. Number one, killing the man was very immature. But something was pointing towards something God had called Moses to, to be a leader of the Hebrew people and to deliver them. But Moses had to flee. And those 40 years was, were over, and he ran, and he ran, and he ran to the desert. And he got into this tribe of sheep herders. And Moses found a new identity. No one knew who he was. He met the love of his life. He married her. He was content to just be a sheep watcher for the rest of his life. And his life now consisted of standing out there and watching a bunch of sheep as the sun went up and the sun went down. The next day he did the very same thing. The sun went up and the sun went down. And Moses was just content that probably at some point in his life they would find him dead on a sandy hill with a bunch of sheep out because he was a sheep herder. He would ran from his past. He was just going to be the sheep guy for the rest of his life and he was going to be perfectly content. And every day he watched the sun come up, and every day he watched the sun go down. And this was the second part of his life. But the third part is the part that probably we know the best about Moses, is that God spoke to Moses and said, I have called you to be my voice, and I will speak through you. And you will go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And the story is amazing how God used this man from Egyptian prince to sheep herder, to now deliverer. And Moses watched the miracles of God as God spoke to Moses. Moses declared it, and everything that God said would happen, happened. 
And Moses saw it with his own eyes. Moses was there when they crossed the Red Sea and with the staff and the water split and Moses crossed over. Moses saw things in his lifetime that very few of us will ever see from being on the palace family to being in oblivion and being content with it. And now stepping into your true calling and purpose. Moses was there when God said, go up on the mountain. And God gave him the Ten Commandments. He was there when, when manna fell from the sky and quail came out of the woods and, 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 and water flowed from the rock. And all of these things, Moses lived three lifetimes. And then at the end, he stood on the edge of the promised land. And all of these people were now going to go into the promised land. And God turns to Moses. And this is, this is wild when you think about it. He said, stop. Moses, and as much as you've led the people to this promised land, you can't go. And Moses stood on top of the sandy dune and watched all of these millions of people go into the promised land that he had led them to. But God didn't let him go. He knew triumph and he knew tragedy. He knew heart mending and he who knew heartbreaking. He knew what it was like to never question God and he knew what it was like to say, God, why? And this life, three different lives, is coming from a man who knew the value of life and he knew the value of time. And some theologians believe that while he was sitting on top of the sandy dune, he pulled out his quill and he began to write all of his thoughts about life and time. And this is the oldest psalm ever written. And it's so, it's so important for us to read it as a church today. And Moses writes these first words. He says this. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. And this is something that you could read real quick and think, that's true, and immediately go, hope it gets better, but you've got to pause. And this is a man who's lived a life, a full life. And he says, God, just at the point to where I want to tell you how to do my life, just at the point to where I want to tell you what needs to be in my life, I have come to the conclusion that in life, You've been our dwelling place for generations and generations and generations and generations. And this first sentence is Moses saying, I think my life has been long. There has been countless amount of generations before me. And there will be countless amount of generations after me. And my life in this long life compared to a lot of people is so small compared to you from the beginning of time to the end of time. My life is just but a blip. But one thing I have seen, you have been our dwelling place for generations to generations. And Moses goes on. And he says, before the mountains were born. Now think about that. That is rich. Before there were even mountains on the earth, when the earth was just this, 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 this round, flat nothing, 
before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you have been here. My life seems so small now compared to how big you are. My life seems so insignificant. I mean, some people would go, Moses, that's an amazing life. Three lives. Someone could die at any point and go, that was my life. But you live three of them. Moses goes, no, 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 no. It's nothing. It's but a snap of your fingers. And the size and the width of how big our God is. Then Moses says something kind of dark. He says, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. And when we read this, we go, ugh. Moses is going, no, 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 no. Don't you think for a minute that from the dust, from the dirt of the earth we came, and to the dirt we go back? And it is good for us to think about this for a minute. That how many have been here and how many have gone on? How many, how many have we looked at and said, that was a good guy, that was a good girl, or gosh, I'm glad she's gone. (laughs) And we tend to think that that doesn't apply to me. I'm going to be here forever. I'm going to be here forever. Moses goes, stop, hey. From the dust we came, and back to the earth we go. And it's good to think about this. A minute ago, I gave you my numbers, 9,400 and something. I probably shouldn't say something. They're probably really important to me. (laughs) But that was on Friday. And Friday, after putting the number together on statistically how many days I've got left on this earth, I just kind of put my pen down and sat in my office. I pulled out old pictures and looked at where God had brought me and used me, where, what I've been through. And then I just began to think, Tybean, how are we going to live the next 9,000 years? 9,000, there you go, 9,000 days. 9,000 days. And then a very interesting thing happened. My dad called. It was 10 o'clock in the morning. And he called and he said, hey, bud, Good morning. I said, good morning, Dad. How are you doing? He goes, well, I'm all right, but I need to talk to you. I said, what's going on? He goes, Uncle Jerry passed away. I mean, this is, this is Friday. I get my number, and at 10 o'clock, my dad called me. This was me still with the pin down. I hadn't picked it up. hadn't thought about you guys. My dad just said, oh, we just wanted, he passed away at 2 o'clock last night. We didn't want to tell all the nephews and nieces. We want to let you guys get a good night's sleep. We're telling Aunt Leela right now, we wanted her to get a good night's sleep too, but your Uncle Jerry's passed away. This is a guy who I thought would never pass away. This is funerals on Wednesday. We're pulling all the family together. It'll be so great seeing cousins again. Just those cousins that you thought you'd always see and you don't see anymore. Some of you guys, a lot of cousins you need to go back and see. But Moses says, hey, from the earth you came, and from the earth you go back. Moses continues and says this, A thousand years in your sight is like a day that has just gone by, or it's like a watch in the night. The watch in the night is a soldier would stand watch, and he would stand watch for three hours. And Moses is saying, 
If a soldier can stand on guard for three hours, this is what your life looks like to God. That fast. Or you can look at it from a standpoint that, do you not think the God that was here from the beginning to the God that's here in the end, that a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has gone by? And Moses is putting in perspective just how short your life is. That it is not going to last forever. And I got to thinking about this because our grandparents and our parents who taught us that you need to fill your day up. Go, go, go. Do, do, do. You need to get out of here. Go, go make the most. Fill your day. And we did. I grew up with a generation that taught us that really didn't talk about stuff like this. Because they were just convinced that in their lifetime, Jesus would come back. In their lifetime, we're going to hear the trumpet. It's going to blow. So, guys, let's just, let's just live our life because when that trumpet blows, we're going to be out of here. And what's funny is the people that I grew up with that thought Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime are starting to die. And now they're looking back over their life wishing they'd have told more of their friends about Jesus. They would have spent more time with their family. Would have spent some quality time at church and quality time with the people that matter most. Because our life is so short. And we don't know the length of our days. Moses writes on. And this is Moses. Moses says this. He says, yet you sweep people away in their sleep of death. They are like the, the new grass of the morning. And this is Moses saying, there are people that are reading this psalm right now that aren't promised tomorrow. And they have no clue. That they could close their eyes tonight and open their eyes in heaven just as quick. And we need to be aware of it. They're like grass. That a baby is born and you sit there and you go, oh, it's so cool. That's so beautiful. It's so awesome. Look at this life. And the next thing you know, it's, mid, it's midlife. And they're starting to say, man, it's getting hard. And then they begin to crumble and reap, weep. And the next thing you know, as the sun goes down on their life, the grass withers and fades away. And this is dark for some people, but Moses goes, it shouldn't be dark. This is so that everyone can stop and realize that you're not promised tomorrow. That life is short. It has been from the beginning. And the God that you serve is the thousand years like a day God. And he has been here so many times. How beautiful to think about this when we start treating time and our life. As the blessing, it really is. And Moses is bringing up a great point. He doesn't use this illustration, but he's saying, hey, what are you filling your life with? And where is the room to live a great life? Not just a life that you think is going to last forever. Not just friendships that you think are just supposed to. These are just the people in my life. But it's about the best ones. Finances, what are we going to do with it? Time. Having the wiggle room. He says, you're like grass. You're here one day and you're gone the next. He says in Psalms 90 verse 6, in the morning it springs up new, but by everlasting it is dry and withered. And then he says this, all, 
all our days pass away under your wrath. I'll get to the wrath part. We finish our years with a moan. The wrath makes people really nervous. But what Moses is saying here, you know what really the wrath of God is? The wrath of God is this thing that God feels from a life not lived well, a life of disobedience, a life of fear, not faith and trust. And the wrath of God is nothing more than the anger of God on a life not well lived. Because he says it's such a gift. It's such a gift. Every second, every day. And that's why people finish their years with a moan. And I'll get back to this in a minute. Eternity says this. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass. But he says this. And we fly away. He says there's going to be hard years. There's going to be years that you think are the worst years and they end up being the best years of your life. Because you learned that even on the hard days, there's still a blessing. Even on the difficult days, there's still a gift. Even on the days that you would think, I I wish this day never began. There will be a day in your life that when you value your time, you'll look back on that day and you will go, I hated that day, but that day made me a better person. A better person. Or you could be the person that goes, I hate all days. I can't stand life. It's ridiculous. I hate people. People are, there's days and there's people, and I hate them both. And, 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 and now all of a sudden, you find no joy. And, God's, and Moses is saying here, no, 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 no. These days quickly pass. You think you're going to be stuck in that day forever, but it quickly passes. Even in the trouble and the sorrow, it can be the best of them. And then he says this, and then we get to fly away. Does that remind you of anything? Does a song come to your mind? This is where that song came from. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. So when I die, hallelujah, by and by. I'll fly away. And what Moses is saying here, don't you get comfortable in this current home. Because this is not your home. This is not your home. We all get wrapped up in stuff and more and things and bad days. And Moses is saying, no, 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 you're looking at this wrong. Your life is but a vapor. But the decisions that you make on this life that you have have eternal value. And one day you'll fly away. Oh, glory. You'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll get to go back to my home where my father is. He says in verse 11, he says, he goes back to anger. If only we knew the power of your anger. If only we knew how you look at us and go, come on, trust me. Why would you want to live like this when life is so full and you only get it for a moment? You only get it for a moment. 
If we only knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. The fear of God produces wisdom, is what the psalmist says, or Proverbs says. And then the very next verse, you got to get this. This is so rich. This is so cool. This is how Moses signifies the whole thing. And it's, it takes us to why I had you number your days a minute ago. Moses and his three lives that he lived and all that he saw in him being in the presence of God. And all of this life that Moses would say, even my life is a vapor. Look at what Moses says next. Teach us. Teach me, O oh God, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Oh God, teach me that life is short. Oh, teach me that these temporary things that I've got to have or I've got to do in the whole dynamics of the greater purpose of life is not that important. That there has to be this wiggle room to value time so much that we're able to give the right no's and we're able to offer the best yes. Teach us to number our days that we may gain, I want you to get this, a heart of wisdom. If there's anything in this room, I would like for us to walk away from this sermon and have is a better understanding of a heart of wisdom to know the number of our days. This isn't just an Old Testament thing. Jesus actually says something about it too. Jesus gave a parable. Jesus himself was giving a parable one day, and this is the parable about the successful, unsuccessful man. The successful, unsuccessful man. A man who went into life and he did everything he wanted to do. And he, he was rich and su successful and he had everything. And he had barns on top of barns. And he had stuff on top of stuff. And he had lived for himself and he'd done all of his things. And, and, and Jesus in this parable, he said, one day this guy turned to himself. He was older. He lived a full life. He had all this stuff. And he turned to himself and he said one day, he said, I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And everybody would look at this and go, what's wrong with that? <laughs> what's wrong with that? If life is so short, let's eat, drink, and be merry. And yet Jesus threw the kingdom of God back into the story. And he said, but God said to the man, ooh, that may be five of the most important words you hear today. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, those, whose will those, will they be? This last part, this man had acquired so much. His life was full. His time was full. His, all of his stuff was full. But the things that mattered the most in life 
he didn't possess. He possessed the things that if you were to light a match to it, it would burn up. If it came to it, it would turn to rust and dust. And God said, full. You've lived an entire life, and tonight your soul will be required of you. And all these things, now your kids get to fight over them. All of these things, your kids are going to attend your service and never think of you again because all they'll be able to think about is where's your will. They're going to fight, bicker, argue, fuss. Who gets what? (laughs) And that will be the sum of your life. Good thing Jesus said it, because if I said it, you'd be mad at me. (laughs) But that's what this is about. God, what do I do with this? Give me a heart of wisdom. Jesus closes by saying, so... So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Your time. It's something God wants to talk to you about. I hope this series isn't some cute little series that you get to go, I remember when he brought the closets in and he did this, and I just remember that. No, no, I hope it's deeper than that. I hope this wakes a lot of us up. Because we convince ourselves that we have a long time to live. We convince ourselves, I'm going to be here forever. And as long as we are healthy, we really believe that we will live forever in this body. So if this is how we all are, what this series is teaching us is that we need a teacher. We need a coach. We need someone that can really show us what eternity looks like, how valuable time is, and the only teacher who can, re- who can rescue us from ourselves is God. If you're in this room and you think life gave you a bad deal, I want to turn to you and say, I I get it. I do. But you still have a life. You've got something that is precious. It won't always be like what you're going through right now. But if you turn into the person that now just allows life to pile up on them, you're missing the best things that God wants to do. Even in the tragedy, heartbreak, confusion, I could never show you. I could never teach you. But it's God who wants to teach you and rescue you from yourself. That revelation will help us grow wise. That revelation will help us think beyond our temporary situations. That revelation will help us grow wise, and wisdom is important because the choices we make during our brief stay on earth have eternal consequences.
One of my great friends, Darren Hufford, has a daughter who has just stepped into a field that she has felt called into for a very long time. She's a hospice nurse. Darren and I talked this last couple of weeks, and we just began to, to talk about the directions our kids are going and the different stuff. And she has always dreamt of being a hospice nurse. And I said, dude, that's a, that's a tough job. And he goes, if you turned to her and said that, she'd look at you strange and say, no, it's not. It's amazing. And she's with people on sometimes like their last 12 days on this earth. Recently, I just started Google searching hospice. And, and I, I've always known, because I'm a pastor and I've known what hospice does, but I wanted to know the heart behind the people who are the hospice nurses, who are with people in their last days as they live. I came across a really interesting individual who was writing about a question that she began to ask so many people on the last days of their life. And she would boldly ask them, hey, do you have any regrets? And she said, surprisingly, everybody she talked to had two regrets. Now, the first one was a regret that you heard from most of the male patients that she had. She said 100% across the board, her patients that were male said this, I wish I would have worked less. Not that they would, didn't work. And there's nothing wrong with working. It's that when it came to life and you having 12 days left, you weren't thinking about how many days you worked. People didn't pull out their 20-year pocket watch. People didn't pull out their 30-year their, their watch and look at it. People wanted their families to be with them. People wanted their closest friends to be with them. She said, thank God for FaceTime. Because the patients that she had that were male... FaceTimed more people in the last days of their life than ever before in their life. She said, I honestly don't know what people did back in the day. Maybe wrote letters to people they hadn't talked to in years. But the number one thing people said is, I wish I'd have worked less. And I wish I'd have spent some quality time doing the things that I knew I could have done with the people I could have done it with to serve the God that I realize has been there the whole time. The second thing is this. I wish I could have had the courage to live my life. And specifically what they meant by this is they said, I wish I would have had the courage to dream. I wish I could have had the courage to live the dreams I had, the things that were so part of me that I never got to do. Not the trips, not going here and there, but just the fact that I was always doing what people wanted me to do. And I wasn't doing the things that God was telling me to do. One of the things as a pastor I hear a lot of is if I don't do as much as I possibly can, I will never make it. If I don't do as much as I possibly can, if I don't just do it, you don't realize the situation I'm in. If I don't do as much as I possibly can, I'll never make it. In which I have a question. You ready? 
What is it? I want to provide for my family. I had a guy say that the other day. I want to provide for my family. And I asked him to look at his family and ask, if we were to ask your family if you provide for them, does he do a good job providing for you? They would look at you and go, yeah, he's like amazing. He's a rock star. You're doing a great job. But if we were to ask them, what would you like from him? I'd love for him to be more with us. I'd like for us to be his it. What's your it? What's driving you? And is your it God's it? Everybody get their phone out. We're going to wrap this thing up. Get your phone out. Everybody get your phone out. Come on, you've been on Instagram all day anyway, so come on. I've seen you looking, scrolling, all of this stuff, okay? If you're back in the back, if you're back in the back in the, in, the, in, the, in the holding area, the holding area, the jail cell back there, get your phone out, okay? Everybody on our online campus, get your phone out right now. For the young men at the, lost, at the detention center, at the Levington Detention Center, get your pen and paper out, okay? You're going to text yourself right now. I text myself all the time. It's how I remember things, okay? Um, text yourself right now. Put your phone number in, put your name in, okay? And then I want you to text yourself these four things. These are symbols, okay? Text yourself these four symbols. And your homework for this week is wrapped around these four symbols. I hope I hear people go ding, 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 ding all over this room, okay? You may want to share this with your buddies. But all week I want you to answer these four questions. What are the things that you know you need to give more time to? Don't give me, don't give me like a dozen of them. You may want to narrow this down. Give me one thing that you need to give more time to. One thing that's worth making space for. One thing that's worth giving your time to. Just one. Tomorrow you may want to do something different. The next day, why don't you spend six days answering this every day. What's something that you need to give time to? Second thing, what's something that you don't need to give time to anymore? What is something that consumes a large part of your space and it is not producing the best of God in your life? And how can we give less time to it? the second question. Third thing, what's something that we need to focus less on? What's something that we need to focus completely less on? We're always consumed by it. It controls our thoughts. It controls our attention. It's something that if I have any free time at all, I'm going to be doing that and I don't need to be doing that. It could be scrolling Instagram. It could be on the phone. It could be on the TV. It could be in a place that you know you don't need to be, doing something you know you don't need to be doing. But there is something that God is saying, this is controlling so much of your time, it doesn't leave time for the good things in your life. What is something that you need to focus less on? Okay? And what's something you need to focus more on? 
What's something that you need to go, this is an area I need to step into. This is something I need to learn more about. This is worth giving your time to. This is the attention getter for my time. And I think when we can begin to answer these questions, we're going to be stepping in the right direction. And don't forget what Moses told us to do. He said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We're going to do something. If you're in this room and time is one of those things that you feel like God's saying, come on, your life is shorter than you thought, but I'm not done with it. I want to pray over your time. I want to pray over the, the time in your day, quality time, the time that we need to give God. But I want you to have some courage. And if you're in this room and you're ready for God to teach you how to number your days so that you can walk with a heart of wisdom, would you have the courage to stand up right in your seat right now? Ready? One, two, three, go. Boom. Just stand up. There you go. Teach me, God, how to number my days so I can walk with a heart of wisdom. Teach me, God, to number my days so I can walk with a heart of wisdom. Teach me, oh God, to number my days so I can walk with a heart of wisdom. Father God, today I come to you and I pray for each and every one of these people that are standing to their feet. And Jesus, today I pray that a revelation that they can't come up with on their own would just begin to develop inside of them through conversations with different people and spouses. And, and, and Lord, I pray right now that you would teach them how to number their days so they can walk with a heart of wisdom. I pray with the seed that was planted in their heart right now would not be, would not fall on hard-heartedness or shallowness or the distractions of this world, but that you would go to work on our heart for wisdom to teach us how to number our days. I think this is the beginning of some major transitioning in lives. I think this is a major moment that they can go back on and go, I remember the day that God got my attention and I, I started valuing my time instantly. There is going to be so much that comes out of this if we allow it. So Father, open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. Give us the mind of Christ to think what you think, want what you want, and do what it is you've called us to do. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet and let's worship the Lord. The prayer team is going to be up here. And they would love to pray with you. Just get out of your seat during this song. And they would love to pray with you. Now, if you're in this room and you just dawned on you, you may not get a chance again to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. I don't want you to accept Christ because of fear. But I think you just understood how short life can be. And if you're in this room and you need Jesus during this worship song, I just want you to grab your stuff. Maybe even turn to the people that you came with and say, would you just give me five minutes? 
Get out of your seat. I want you to meet me right over there. And I'd like to pray with you. Because today can be the day that wisdom really came into your heart. Because you realized that you weren't following Jesus. And the greatest thing that your life needed was a dying of yourself to follow the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you need a Savior. Meet me over there. Come on. Let's worship the Lord.